Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, Two Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. The coach flying solo today. The big dog is out and about. Well, he might be out, he might be about, but uh, we do know one thing. He's not in the studio, he's not on the phone, so I'll be flying solo today. Baseball playoffs, definitely the uh, primary source of discussion. we got a little football coming up on the weekend. Don't forget Football Friday. Tomorrow, we'll jump off the sports page, do a little sports guy talk politics with the vice presidential debates coming up today. Mucho. Mucho mas in addition. A little bit of music, and then we'll kick this particular show off and running. We had four of them back to back to back to back baseball games yesterday. We got four more today, including a couple of game five. Nobody clinched yesterday. A couple of opportunities, a couple of near misses, but nobody clinched. So we got uh, four straight games again today, beginning at 12 o'clock. We'll talk about them here on the Two Guys at a Mic show. And, of course, invite you to check in. Anytime Joel is not here, you, the listener, get to play the part of the co-host. All you got to do is give a call. At 888-463-6748, we'll get you right on. And uh, we've said it before, we'll say it again. If we like your call, if we like the cut of your jib, I got no problem. Joel could be released. You could be the permanent co-host on this show. I'm going to take that administrative leap of faith right now and uh, put myself in the general manager's position. So 888-463-6748, we got to talk about that. David Olson, we got huge news, huge news in the world of cycling. Wow, did you read some of that stuff? Unbelievable. We will definitely get to bicycling. There's been the threats. There's been, you know, guys suspended. There's been the positive tests, but it finally came out. In Toto, this is by far, by far the most comprehensive and explicit and specific admitation. I'm not sure if that's a word. That's my elongated derogative of admit. <laughs> Nothing like making up a new word to describe a, a word that's not actually a word. Huh? If my wife were listening, uh, she would probably be having a spaz attack at this point. Unfortunately, she's not listening. So I can get away with this particular stuff. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Uh, Lance Armstrong and the rest of the uh, cycling world taking a couple of shots down today. So we'll talk about that. Football Friday tomorrow. But we will uh, sneak preview ahead. Some of the games, NFL football, college football, big slate of Saturday's games. We could take a sneak peek at that. Also, we got um, the vice presidential debates, of course, coming up tonight is Paul Ryan, the youngster, takes on the veteran Joseph Biden. I said uh, a couple of months ago that this was the one that I was looking forward to more than the presidential debates. And I might change that opinion now that Obama had such a poor first one. Now I think the next debate between Obama and Romney is going to be much anticipated. So now I am looking forward to that. But prior to the Obama bust-out, I love Bill Maher's comment, uh, David. You know Maher donated a million bucks 
to Obama. I think his comment on the show was, I think he used the whole million to smoke weed. <laughs> it looked like Barack was uh, under some kind of influence. Let's just hope it was the air in uh, Denver. But So I am looking forward to the next one because of that. But I said a couple of months ago, I think this could be good stuff. And we only get one of them. There's not three like the presidential. But it's uh, Paul Ryan going mono versus mono against Joseph Biden, the veteran. And, you, you know, you could say, oh, the vice president, you know, doesn't do that much. You don't worry about him. You still have to remember. And as much as I like Joe Biden, it is, it, I have to admit it, even <laughs> even as a Democrat, as a liberal, as a, as a liker, if not lover of Joe Biden, it's a scary thought if you were actually the president. I'm a little more comfortable with him being the sidekick. But you got to remember, these guys are one step away. One step away, and things happen. As great as our security is, things you know, things happen. Hate to say it, we've said it before. Anytime you become, this is a terrible thought. I probably shouldn't say it, but I'll say it. Anytime you become president of the United States, right off the bat, I'm going to estimate you got a one out of ten chance of getting shot. Terrible thing to say. But if you strictly go by percentages, you won't play the numbers game. As great as security is, there's still it's it's impossible to deflect every breach. So you gotta know who your vice presidential candidate is. Now as scary as Joseph Biden would be. I don't know about you all out there. But Paul Ryan, President of the United States, that little whippersnapper, that little cocky son of a gun who might know his numbers, but he can wrap those numbers in a way that I guess makes sense to some people, but not to anybody who does basic arithmetic. But Paul Ryan, we'll watch tonight. We'll see. But uh, him, if Mitt Romney gets elected president, admit, you know, I'm a Barack Obama fan, but, I, you know, Mitt Romney was my favorite out of the uh, Republican candidates. But a lot scarier if it would have been a Newt Gingrich. God forbid a Michelle Bachman. A Rick Santorum. So I'm not totally anti-Mitt Romney. For me, and we're getting off the cuff here a little bit, and again, sports guys talk politics. If you're a baseball fan, we'll get to it in a second. Phenomenal stuff yesterday. If you're a political fan, a sports fan who likes politics, you want to check in, give us a call, 888-463-6748. We might have uh, some members of the Paul Ryan family listening to this particular show, just north of the border up in Kenosha. Kenosha. God bless you, Wisconsin. Janesville, Wisconsin. But, um, yeah, the, the Mitt Romney, who was the Republican candidate, was, was my favorite of the bunch. So it's not a hatred towards Mitt Romney. My only complaint with him is how he all of a sudden is, at least at various times, has catered down to the uh, the far right, the Tea Partiers. And by the way, David Olson, I had a email back and forth. Help me out here. Tea Party and Libertarians. One and the same, or some differences? David just took a big bite of a sandwich, so I love timing is everything in life. But libertarians a little bit different, are they not, than Tea Party? It is a little bit different. They're a little bit more liberal in their social views. That's what I tried to explain. Yes. I was shot down on that particular. Yeah, so they no, no, can, no, they're, they're more liberal. They're more liberal on their social views. Economically, financially, taxes—they're very much hands-off, similar to the Tea Partiers. They're they're lockstep. Yeah, lockstep. Yep. Interesting. All right. Fiscal conservatives, uh, uh, social liberals is usually the way it goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, 
I don't even know if I would call it social liberal, but some of them can move to the moderate, even the liberal state. I guess it's in comparison to how hardcore conservative their yes, their Tea Party values could be. All right. All right. I may need your assistance again in my uh, ongoing email battles. But uh, at any rate, we got a good good matchup tonight, 8 o'clock to 9.30 Central Time. I keep forgetting to say Central Time on uh, this particular show, but it is 8 o'clock till 9.30, an hour and a half. Moderator, please stay out of the way. Tired of the moderators. Stop when things are getting good and the moderators got his little sheet of paper. Oh, you know, we got to go to the next thing. We got to keep it fair. That would be something I would want the moderator to do, but let him go. Let him go. Get off the script a little bit. Moderators, get the starch out of your underwear. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, but, but th- there's only a limited amount of time to get through things, and yeah. you are dealing with politicians, and you let them ramble. They can go off for an hour and a half yeah, on one topic. That's a good point. But there's a difference between rambling and going back and forth and clarifying points that people need to hear. You're right, David. So, And, by the way, speaking of uh, starch in the shorts, I believe wearing these starch short underwear tonight will be a young female. Co- uh, not co-host, but moderator, right? They had Jim Lehrer, who had a little face work done, I think, Jim Lehrer. Got lambasted in the first debate as the moderator. And now there's a, a female, I forget her name, she's doing it tonight. And then they go back on the third one with Bob Scheffler, I believe it is. Who's tonight? Yeah, it's uh, Martha Raddus. Martha. Uh, Martha Raddus. Wow. Who's Martha Raddus? <laughs> She is uh, a foreign correspondent, I believe, for ABC. Excellent. Does she speak English? Uh, she does. Excellent. She does. Two for two. But, they're, 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 but uh, they're already working the refs, as it were, if you're familiar with the controversy that's going on. The controversy of who? The, the controversy over her being a debate moderator. No. Oh, you're not familiar? Yeah, uh, apparently uh, her ex-husband and mm. Obama were friends from college. Oh, boy. And Obama was at her wedding 21 years ago. Uh-oh. Or, yeah, 21 years ago, 1991. Uh-oh. Maybe the first 10 minutes she could talk about Barack Obama. as a. Has he been married 20 years? I believe it was just his 20th ah, anniversary last bad. week. Yeah, so. I would have loved to hear the story of Barack Sands Michelle. You know, if he was hitting on any of the bridesmaids or, you know, a young single Barack Obama, we could have got some insights in the first 10 minutes of the debate. So, yeah, so so at any rate, uh, she's obviously biased because uh, Obama was at her wedding. Yeah, right. That, that's the story. Well, no, it's, right. it's working the rough. So mm-hmm. uh, there, there's an out if, if Ryan loses the debate. Okay. All right, we'll oh, see. Oh, yeah, well, the, the, the moderator was biased. He didn't have a chance anyway. So we'll see go. if that comes to fruition. Now, is she the young lady that we have pictured on our archive from yesterday featuring the oblique discussion? Is that her? She is not, no. Wow. I was going through the webpage, and uh, David Olson does a tremendous job. As all of our shows are archived, and he put, kind of puts a little theme to each show along with the theme and the headline, goes along a picture. We did do some uh, intense, if not entertaining, discussions yesterday on the oblique muscle. Featuring my good partner, Joel Radwanski, who I believe was voted as having one of the top ten obliques in the city of Chicago. His calves, by the way, top five. Yeah. Too bad the face doesn't match, but, you know, great obliques. You can't have everything. <laughs> but the uh, the girl on the cover, folks, if you haven't gone to our archive page, 
even if you don't want to go through the pain of listening to yesterday's show, you might want to check out the webpage uh, for the picture of the young lady who apparently will not be the moderator. And it'd be interesting if she was, because that would bring up a whole different twist to the debate. But uh, check out the picture. And, again, our website is at www.twoguysmike.com. You can always go to the talkzone.com and click on the Mike Two Guys banner. And that will uh, lead you to our homepage as well. But that that's worth, uh, you know, you, you want to listen to the show and just watch her. Look at that picture, blow it up, whatever you need to do. All right, 888-463-6748. Real quick before we take our first break, uh, baseball action yesterday, absolutely outstanding. Four games across the board. couple of them will go down as classics. Let's take it from start to finish. Game one, uh, definitively not a classic as the... St. Louis Cardinals knock off the Washington Redskins. Oops, the Washington Nationals, uh, eight nothing. They've killed them two games in a row now. Cardinals are, you know, they're starting to look like last year's St. Louis Cardinals. It's unbelievable. Again, they barely get into the playoffs and you got to give them credit for getting into the playoffs because, you know, again, they lose a couple of quality pitchers. Carpenter out for a good part of the season. They lose somebody by the name of, oh yeah, I think it was, uh, Pujols, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty good player. They lose Albert Pujols, had some other injuries during the year, and they still find a way. Oh, yeah, they lost something else. They lost their manager, who some would argue had been the heart and soul of the team, along with Pujols and company, the last 15 years. So a brand-new manager, a guy that's never managed a baseball team. So you got all that going for you. And the St. Louis Cardinals make the playoffs. So kudos to them. But here we go again. All of a sudden, they sneak into the playoffs, and now, right now, they're probably playing the best of any team. Right now, they are dismantling a very good Washington Nationals team. Got them on the brink of elimination. <clears throat> and by the way, David Olson, the, uh, you know, we say this over and over again. The home field advantage. We got to play for the home field advantage. This is big, because we'll have the home field, the home field advantage is crapola right now. In the St. Louis and Washington series, Washington won the first game at St. Louis. Uh, there's, there's been one home game win so far. In the San Francisco-Cincinnati Red Series, 0 for 4. <laughs> Road team has won every game. So it's uh, I'm not saying it's complete non-factor, but it is definitely overrated. Overrated. The home field advantage, absolutely overrated. Not just in baseball. You see the same thing in basketball. You know, you, And, again, it's something to shoot for, but we make too big of a deal of it. All season long, we got to win this game. So we'll have the home field advantage throughout the playoff. And then you lose your first game. And, basically, at a best of seven, you lose your first game. Well, you lost your home field advantage. Same thing in basketball. Okay. Cardinals knock off Washington. 8 nothing. Detweiler against Loesch today. Kyle Loesch back on the mound. Cardinals can wrap it up. Washington playing for their lives now. St. Louis can play free and easy today, knowing they got a Game 5 coming up. Even if they lose, pressure's on the Washington Nationals. We will see. Again, I'm rooting for the Nationals. They had a tremendous season. And, of course, if they lose this first round, and particularly if St. Louis knocks them out 3-1, to one, the whole Steven Strasburg thing is going to come front and center. And I, I'm going back and forth on that one. That's a tough call. That is a tough call. For the most part, I have 
given way to the expertise and the inside knowledge of the trainers and doctors and the coaching staff of the uh, Washington Nationals? I mean, everybody's arguing, how can you do it? Oh, you don't sit your best guy. You'll never be in the playoffs again. Well, last time I checked, the manager and the general manager and the owner of the Washington Nationals, they wanted to win too. And don't you think they would love to have Strasburg in the playoffs? So they're sacrificing a lot. That's why my my initial instinct is to think, well, there's got to be something to it. Because these guys, they want Strasburg to play as badly as the fans do. But they're sitting them out. It's got to be a tough thing to do, but it must be the right thing. But I don't know. The moral wears on. You know, there are no guarantees in life. What if what if the Washington Nationals get a couple of injuries to other players, and they don't make the playoffs for the next five or six years? And all of a sudden, Steven Strasburg, you know, is a great National League pitcher, but he has no opportunities to pitch in the playoffs. There's no guarantees. Then you look back at that decision. Ooh. That could come back to haunt them. You hope they would at least win this first series. Then I think even if they lost the National League championship, uh, you know, there'd be a little bit of talk, but probably not that much. They did take the next step, if you will. But if they lose this one, the Strasburg decision is going to be a uh, albatross that they will live with for a long time. And maybe it'll be a good one. Very, very well could be a good decision. If he goes on to pitch, you know, sacrifice the short term. For the long term, more often than not, that's the right way to go. But, uh, ooh, tough, 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 tough call. And, you know, hey, if he pitches the next nine or ten years and is a, you know, ace pitcher, one of the top National League pitchers, Nationals make the playoffs three or four times, it's going to be absolutely the right decision. So we'll see. Time will tell. But right now, right now on a Friday or a Thursday, October 10th, that decision is not looking too good. The Nationals are scrambling if Joel were here, David Olson, I'd ask him about the young pitcher, Detweiler. I don't know a whole lot about Detweiler. The first thing I don't know about Detweiler is his first name. <laughs> but we'll see. Kyle Loesch, I know, has been in a lot of big games. Not a great pitcher, but he is a big game pitcher, advantage Cardinals. Uh, one more game, and then we'll take a quick break uh, and talk about the two final games, which might have been the two best of the night. Again, our phone number if you want to check in, join us, baseball discussion, uh, vice presidential debate discussion coming up. We're going to get into the world of cycling a little bit, as that has been taken down in wrestling terms. That would be a throwdown. That would be a half-Nelson pin, slammed to the floor, and probably a knockout. The world of cycling. 888-463-6748. We'll get to all that. But uh, one other quick game to talk about, and that was the Cincinnati Reds-San Francisco Giants, the Reds. You know, both me and Joel didn't call this one right. They won the first two games. We basically said they're on a roll. The Giants look cooked. This baby is done. Well, it's not done. San Francisco at Cincinnati. Again, the road team has won all four games. Got to get that home field advantage. The road team has won all four games. And yesterday, San Francisco uh, knocks them off. Comes up with a big win, 8-3. to three. Cincinnati, Dusty Baker makes the call to go with Mike Leach. That did not work out too well. Mike Leach gets hammered. San Francisco hitting the ball early and often, and they win 8-3. to three. So now today you got Matt Cain, solid as a rock, pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, and he's going up against Matt Latos, not solid as a rock. Matt Latos, good last game, had a real good last game, but he struggled of late. So we will see how that works out. Game 
five today. Pressure on San Francisco and Cincinnati. Will the Giants make it five straight road victories for the road team? All right, we'll take a quick break. Producer extraordinaire David Olson on the other side of the glass. When we come back, a little more baseball talk, and then we got to get into Lance Armstrong and the wonderful world of cycling. Back in 42.5 seconds. We're on a tight schedule. couple of obituaries of the day to talk about, and interestingly, they're both in the world of sports. A guy, I think you had a little bit of uh, knowledge. I don't know if you ever worked for him first time. David Olson's had a long, if not storied, career in the radio world. Well, it's been long anyways, but Bill Chouse, longtime sports writer in Chicago, and he got some national fame too, right? The sports writers show, did it go national or not? I'm trying to remember. Famous for smoking the cigar. Right? Bill Jouse, Rick Tellender, who was it? Ben? Ben Bradley? Yeah, no. Ben Bradley. They were sm- a young Rick Tellender, by the way. A young Rick Tellender. But, uh, yeah, Billy Jouse passing away at the age of 81. And that sports writer show was really pretty much the first of the talk sports shows on TV. Yeah. It kind of said. On Sports Channel. Back oh boy! Day. Sports Channel, yeah. yeah. Sports Channel's undergone about 16 different names, and it's that they've had more facelifts than uh, Jim Lehrer, the moderator of the last debate, I think. Wow! But Billy Jouse passed it away at the age of 81. The one thing I appreciated about Bill Jouse, he was a big name later in his career. And let this be a lesson to all the uh, aging 50 to 60 to young 70s out there. Later in his career, he was not their star writer. So they would send him out to do Chicago Wolves games. Maybe a Chicago Sky game. I saw him at high school games that I was either spectating at or announcing at. And Billy Jouse, he was not, even though he was on top of the world, he wasn't too cool to do those games. And a lot of people, especially in the newspaper and media business, a lot of those guys got big heads. Uh, you know, and the ego can't handle that. His ego was fine with that. And he put as much effort into a high school game. And a Chicago Wolves game, as he did his cover in the Cubs game. Always appreciate that about uh, Bill Jellison. Then Alex Karras. We talked about it a couple of days ago that, unfortunately, due to kidney failure, the uh, end was imminent. Alex Karras passing away at the age of 77. And, David, you said he did an interview here, one of his final ones on thetalkzone.com. It probably probably was his final one. It was uh, from last October. He was on uh, one of our other programs. They did about thirty. Uh, they did about twenty minutes with him about his career, you know, both on the field and off the field. Now, as we are all a close knit team here at thetalkzone.com, laugh track, please. 
what was the name of the other program that he was on? It's on uh, Sports and Torts. Sports and Torts. Outstanding. Torts as in law. Oof. Need about six hours for that show. All right. Alex Karras sadly passing away. Bill Jowles, longtime Chicago sports writer. 888-463-6748. We're halfway through a recap of the baseball action from yesterday. The best is yet to come. Two phenomenal games, two unbelievable endings in the evening games, both of the American League variety. Don't forget, folks, you got four coming back at you today again as nobody clinched. But uh, Yankees and Baltimore and the Orioles. The Orioles hanging at Yankee Stadium. Two to one lead for a long time. Keeping the two to one lead, keeping the two to one lead, and then ninth inning. Ninth inning, they got their guy Jim Johnson and uh, uh, big dog Joel Redwanski, my good partner. Big fan of Jim Johnson, in fact, argues that Jim Johnson, maybe, maybe you're uh, American League most valuable player this year. Jimmy Johnson on the mound. Alex Rodriguez do up. I'm trying to remember how many outs there was. Was it two outs? I don't think so. I think it was either nobody out or yeah. What definitely was not two outs. But Jim Johnson comes to the mound and uh, Alex Rodriguez is due up. The Hall of Famer. The icon. But Alex Rodriguez has been in a major slump. He has not had a great season. He's been brutal in this playoff series. And his previous three or four at bats were, you know, swing and a miss, swing, whoosh. Nothing but nothing but net. air balls across the board. But but isn't that A Rod's reputation and his and, and actually his career? Doesn't he always like disappear come playoff time? Yes, I think he finally broke out of that a little bit, a little bit. Uh, the last playoff or the playoff before, so he broke that jinx a bit. I'm not saying he was the MVP of that series, but yeah, for years he was brutal in the playoffs. But this year was a little bit different, David, because it's not like he was a superstar in the regular season either. He was okay. I think he batted like 270. Nothing special. Uh, Alex, he's still a very good player, but he's not the great one. At any rate, I absolutely think Joe Girardi made the right decision. The guy looked sick the first three, four bats. You got left-handed Ra- Raul Abanez, who has 19 homers on the season. Every one. Every one of his 19 homers against right-handed pitchers. So in comes the lefty Raul Banez. I think it was the first pitch. Jacks it out of the park. Not that it went that far, but that puppy got from home plate to the right field bleachers faster than any home run I've ever seen. I mean, it was a line shot. It was a missile. It was gone. Landed in the seats when Banez is about halfway to first base. Ties it up two to two. Unbelievable Yankees live for another day. Tenth inning, eleventh inning, great drama, great suspense. Bullpens do their job. Nobody can score. Comes to the twelfth inning again. Who comes up to bat? Not Jim Johnson pitching anymore. Raul Abanez again, and you're thinking, no way. And even the color announcer, and I watched so much baseball yesterday, I can't remember who was announcing uh, each particular game, to be honest with you, but the color guy even said, well, you're going to see a couple of curveballs coming to Raul Abanez here because he hit a fastball Hit a fastball out the first first pitch. First pitch, a high fastball. He turned on it, and this thing was shot way into the upper deck. I mean, a mammoth home run, no doubt about it. The minute he took the swing, Raul Banez, that particular game will live in Yankee lore for many and many years. Two home runs, two solo blasts, one to tie it, one to walk off. And here's another stat I got for you, Deals. 
And I think I think they said this during the game, which is amazing. That's the first first walk off loss for the Baltimore Orioles all season. And I think the stat. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. Again, baseball fans, feel free to uh, hop in on the discussion here. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number. First time that's happened since 1900. 112 years, folks. 162 games in the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it, and, and you don't have to think about it. When you hear that it hasn't been done since 1900, that stat equals amazing. 162 regular season ball games, and they never lost on their final at bat. The bullpen never gave up a walk-off. It's incredible, but it happened last night. Abanez with the home run. Why the guy threw him a fastball upstairs to begin with? I have no idea. Maybe it was the wrong location. But uh, either way, they paid the price. The Yankees move up in the series. Two to one knockoff Baltimore. Dramatic game. You had to feel bad for the Orioles because, I mean, they had that game won. Couple outs away. Couple outs away. October heroes are made. And Raul Abanez did his best Reggie Jackson impersonation yesterday. Uh, the hieroglyphics, the histronics, the excitement was not done yet. I told you. I told you. Grandpa Coach told you yesterday you're going to watch three games, but the fourth game might be the best. Make sure you save something. Oakland A's, Detroit Tigers, it was, I think, 2 nothing through the fifth inning. And, David, at that point, uh, I was a collapsimento. I was done for the evening. Thank you very much. But, of course... Via the wonders of the DVR, I said, eh, you know what, I'll wake up in the morning, I can fast forward through just in case there's a good finish. So, slightly blurry-eyed, but set the DVR in my just-in-case uh, vision. 5.30 this morning, come trucking down the downstairs, put my hearing aids on, thank you very much. I don't wake up the rest of the house with the loud volume. Got the hot cup of coffee going, sit down in my chair, start fast-forwarding through, and I see the... Uh, Okudez get a run in the six or seven, I think it was, two to one. Okay, I'll watch the last couple of innings. Tigers score a run, I believe, in the seventh. They make it three to one. I watch Oakland bat in the eighth inning. Crowd going wild, by the way. Great Oakland A's baseball fans. And uh, nothing happened. They go three up, three down, or I think they, they actually they got a couple runners out. Two outs, nobody on, then they got a walk, and they got a base hit. So they did get a couple of runners out. But Bautista got the third out. So now we go to the ninth inning. Oakland down 3-1. to one. Don't forget the Tigers up in the series. Two games to one if Detroit wins. They win it all. And by the way, and I was ready to complain about this, but it never happened, David. If they win this series, not, not just Detroit, but any team, do they do champagne in the locker room? Because I hope not. I hope not. You know, hey, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you break out the champagne until the league championship series. Okay, I hope I not. I, yeah. I almost think that I've seen it in the past, and we've complained about it. You know, you 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 win your division, or even if you qualify for the wild card, it's a 162 game, four and a half, five month trudge that you deserve to celebrate. Even a wild card, I'll give it to you. But all right, now we start the playoff round, that first round of the playoffs. I would hope, and again, I, I, I seem to think in the past that there has been the whole celebration thing going on in the locker room. I guess I won't complain about it until I see it. Let's hope not. But at any rate, we go back to the ball game. Oakland comes up in the ninth inning. Walk, or no, base hit. 
walk first and second, double. Matt Smith, I think. I've never heard of Matt Smith, but the Matt Smith drives one into the gap in right center field, brings in two runs, crowd goes wild, huge, huge hit. Oakland ties it up 3-3. Three to three. Are you kidding me? Ninth inning comeback under pressure. Detroit three outs away. Jose Valverde, the master, one of the best closers in all of baseball. And he gives up a walk, a base hit, and a gapper. And suddenly with nobody out, it's 3-3. Three to three. Oakland has tied it up. Fans going crazy. Now Valverde bears down. He gets the next out and the next out. And you're thinking, all right, maybe we celebrate it too soon. Oakland A's fans. It's going to go 10, 11, 12 innings. Detroit Tigers might end up pulling this game out. Coco Crisp. Coco Crisp, who, I don't know if that's his normal look, but he definitely had a bad hair day yesterday. Bad hair day for Coco Crisp. But a great player, has been for a long time. Coco Crisp comes up, two outs, runner on second, base hit to right field, and the right fielder had a beat on it. It was going to be a close play at home, but in trying to pick it up quickly and make that play, he overruns the ball, takes one glance back, and realizes there's not even a reason to go chase the ball down. Starts walking off the field. Matt Smith scores. Oakwood A's celebrate. Unbelievable three runs in the ninth inning after being down 3-1. to one, And the amazing season of the Oakwood A's lives for another day. Absolutely incredible. Great stuff in the two evening games. Great stuff. Hopefully we'll see more of it today. So nobody clinched. Last night we got a couple of game fives. Oakwood and Detroit. There will be blood. We will have a winner on that one. St. Louis leads Washington 2-1, to one, so we might not have a clinch there. Yankees up on Baltimore 2-1, to one, but San Francisco and Cincinnati 2-2. Two to two. So if you're only going to watch the endings of a couple of games today, those would be the two games to watch. San Francisco, Cincinnati, Oakland, or Detroit. Good stuff, folks. October baseball, awfully, awfully good, even for the, and I fully admitted it on yesterday's show, the mid-level. I was not a big baseball fan during the season, less this year than probably any previous year in my life. And still a fan, just not quite to the level that I was. But October baseball, good drama, good stuff. Last night, those two games in particular, great examples thereof. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, the world of bicycling, shaken, shaken. The spokes have fallen off, the wheels have fallen off, the... Uh, Tires have gone flat. We'll talk about that. Vice presidential debates, a couple other topics. On the docket, coach flying solo today. Phone lines open if you want to join us. 
back on the two guys in a mic show. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, coach flying solo. Today we recap some of the baseball stuff. Uh, a couple other stories we want to talk about. And don't forget tomorrow is a football Friday here on the two guys in a mic show. We'll make our beat the schmoes football picks, preview some of the college football games and NFL games. We have a strong vent to the Chicago area on this show, but uh, won't be a whole lot of Chicago Bears talk tomorrow because the Bears have the dreaded bye week awaiting uh, not next Sunday, but I think it's next Monday. So they even have an extra day next Monday as they will take on the Detroit Lions at a Monday night football game. Well-deserved rest for a Chicago Bear team that's played pretty well so far. We'll maybe get into a a little bit of some of the preview of the games uh, coming up towards the end of this particular show. But, boy, big news. Big news in the world of cycling. Now, we've, we've read about it and heard about it a lot. And, of course, Lance Armstrong, what, about a month ago, declared that he's no longer going to fight it. So he's dropping out of competitive racing, but still not admitting anything. Well, the stuff that came out yesterday, the written documentation, was the strongest and most specific and most thorough that we've seen. And uh, David Olsen, it was, I mean, rampant. Blatant would be a word to use it throughout the world of competitive racing. And I guess that's the problem. It was too competitive. The desire to win, the desire for victory took precedence over, A, your health, B, common sense. Because, I mean, don't these guys, if they if they make any attempt to logically look at it, don't they realize that they're, at some point they're probably going to get caught? And C, just your sense of, of moralism. I mean, I, you know, I guess you could excuse it a bit if you think, well, hey, the other guys are doing it too. So that's the only way that that, that prevailed a little bit, uh, that attitude was prevalent a little bit in baseball, where a lot of guys felt they weren't going to get a chance at the major league, let alone being a star, if they didn't take the performance-enhancing drugs because other players were getting ahead of them. Everybody talks about the superstars, the Barry Bonds of the world, the forgotten story, folks. Coming straight from the Forgotten Sports Talk show here. We are the voice of the underdog. (laughs) The forgotten story in that whole baseball steroid thing is the guys that were close to making the major leagues. And maybe not making the millions and millions, but, you know, making enough money where they could have put it away and been comfortable for a good part of their life. And more importantly, achieved the dream that they worked for maybe since the age of 11, 12, or 13. A lot of work into it. And there are players that didn't quite get there, that played it fair and square, that lost out to other players, again, that maybe weren't the Barry Bonds of the world, but that took steroids or took performance-enhancing drugs. And because of that, they were able to move from AAA and become maybe middle-range major league players. But as a middle-range player, you got the notoriety, you got the fame, you got the money, and there's a lot of AAA players, AA players, who maybe played it the fair way and never even got that moment in time. But back to bicycling, uh, I guess the strongest quote I heard was from Christian Vandevelde, longtime member of the Lance Armstrong team. Very respected. Very respected bicyclist. And he said, you know what? We did it. I'm ashamed to admit it. I wish I would have made a better decision back then. And he's not just saying me. He's saying the whole team. We did it. 
And he's even saying, and I think other guys are also documenting it, that Lance Armstrong would be the one to call some of these team meetings. Again, I guess we got to put the word allegedly in. But it's sort of like the Jerry Sandusky thing where, you know, it's not just one person, but if it's five, six, seven, eight different people saying the same thing, it adds a whole lot of credence to what they're saying. Less it's a giant conspiracy, but they were basically saying Lance was calling some meet. He was meeting people up in the, you know, far away, hidden, mountainous area so they wouldn't be discovered. I mean, blatant, blatant cheating. Pretty bad. Yes, David. I, mean, I don't want to get into a debate over this. I'm going to make two points here. Number one, there's no medical evidence to suggest that Lance Armstrong ever doped. That is it true. Is, it is all hearsay. Yep. Number two, the people that are coming out against him are the guys that were losing to him all along. Interesting. But what? But some of them were his team members, though. Right? I don't know. Bicycling is sort of like like Ryder Cup golf. You know, you got it's an individual sport, but you got the the team concept a little bit. But Christian Van Develde, I thought was he, he was at least for some length of time part of the uh, Lance Armstrong team. All right, but your point is well taken, so it could be. It it, it could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, he walked away from it, not you know, not admitting guilt or anything like that. He just. Threw his hands up mm-hmm. and you know walked away from it. So it's his word against their word, and that's yeah. that's all there is to it. And one of the problems is it's his, as in singular, versus their, as in multiple. So uh, there, not that it's totally weighted that way, but when you have a lot of people saying one thing versus one, Definitely a little bit more convincing towards the other side. Unless you can find some kind of conspiracy, you know, to your defense, David, and to Lance Armstrong's, the guy won seven years in a row. Nobody could beat him. Right, and they could be bitter about it. Yep. There is that possibility, but I, I you got to read more of the stuff that just came out yesterday. It don't look good. It don't look And even if you forget Lance Armstrong, it's not just one or two guys admitting it. It's like 10 or 11 of the top. And the only previous one, I think, was uh, that weird dude, Floyd Landis. I think he was taking something besides performance-enhancing drugs. Something else was messing up that guy. But you've got, you know, 10 or 11 of the top bicyclists at the time that are admitting taking the performance-enhancing drugs. Scandal. Scandal hits the world of sports cycling. We'll see if it can uh, recover from that. But um, 200-page report. 200-page report, Lance Armstrong front and center in the doping ring with testimony of 11 former teammates. Strong stuff. Got to read more. To be fair, got to read more, got to follow it, but uh, this is by far the strongest. And again, the, the specificity, the detail, the thoroughness, and the direct quotes from some of his teammates, um, pretty damning. Pretty damning. So we'll see. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number, 888-463-6748. By the way, speaking of damning David Olson, you could probably take uh, about 30 stronger words than that. It's totally off the sports page, um, but you know it, it's as disgusting of an event, and there's been a lot of disgusting ones in world affairs having to do with terrorism. But this one is about as disgusting as I can remember, and I'm talking about this 14-year-old girl 
And hopefully the uh, fans out there, if you happen to be a sports fan, make sure you're getting your Kadidi off the sports page and following some of the other news of the world, too. Suddenly Ra- Raul Labanez's couple of home runs last night to win the game for the Yankees don't seem quite as important as a young 14-year-old girl from Pakistan who apparently was just a very, very special young lady. And who knows, now she was not killed. She's fighting for her life. Chance she could come back. But who knows, you know, at the age of 14, if she was this sharp and this outspoken, you know, what she could have done at age 16, 18, 20, 22 for the female image in the Middle East and Pakistan in particular. But apparently, even at the age of like 11 or 12, as a young female, she was speaking out for female rights and education. They even showed one picture where she had met with uh, one of the state's State defense representatives from the United States, I think Richard Holbrook, who I believe was in the Clinton administration, maybe the Bush administration, must have been the Bush if she was only 12 years old at the time. But just obviously a very unique, unique long lady. At the age of 14, she apparently uh, going to school had spoken out about how dangerous it is, how tough it is for females, trying to make it easier for them, less threatening for them, trying to promote a little bit women's rights in Pakistan, which is supposed to be theoretically in the Mideast, theoretically one of the more forward countries, or did I got that wrong, Dave? Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> there, there are pockets of it, Yeah, put it that way. Yeah. So here she is, and there were a few newspaper articles, and apparently she was in the, uh, in the television on a school bus a couple of days ago, on a school bus, terrorists. Taliban, I don't know if that's confirmed. We think that on the school bus, they come onto the bus, point the guns at her, shoot her in the head, I believe, off the bus, leave, escape. The absolute ultimate in the cowardly crime. One of the worst terrorist things I can imagine. A 14-year-old girl shot, not killed yet, fighting for her life, but shot in the head. By terrorists on a school bus. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. The only minor positive that might come out of it, apparently in Pakistan, the 95%, the 98%, the large, large, large majority of Pakistanis, of course, absolutely horrified by this incident, taken aback to it, protesting, getting almost violent in its response to it, and maybe, maybe it will bring them stronger together against the extreme Taliban or the extremism in Pakistan, and maybe that will carry over to the Middle East. That's what needs to happen out there. You hate to see a 14-year-old girl have that happen to her, but that might be a result, maybe bring the people together against the extremists. And it looks like it, it, that is going to be the result because it was a Taliban attack, and it was in response to the government cracking down on terrorism. It's like we're not going to support this. We're not going to harbor you guys anymore. That's the that, We're done with that. And so you've got these militants that are rising up and doing, you know, it, and let's call it what it was, cowardly acts like that. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to turn the public against them, which is what needs to happen in order to, you know, quell the situation with terrorism in the Middle East. Really, in a sense, they're hiding behind the Book of Islam or what's the uh, Muhammad, right? If you go the against the sayings of Muhammad. Then you must die. That was some of their quotes. 
right? But they're really, if I could play Middle East master psychologist here, they're using that as an excuse. What they're doing is really showing their power, right? That we're not going to be put down. You can't tell us what to do. We're going to show that we're still strong. So they're going to sacrifice a 14-year-old girl for their own egos, for their own power to show the government can't crack down. Sick. Absolutely sick. Disgusting. 888-463-6748. Had to get out of that tangent. Suddenly, it doesn't make the doping scandal in the world of cycling seem so bad, does it? All right. couple of minutes left in the show. We do got football Friday tomorrow. And, again, fans, you want to check in, talk a little sports. we still got uh, another 10 minutes and 46 seconds left on this particular show. Feel free to call in, play the co-host. Big Dog will be back in action tomorrow. Phone lines are open at 888-463-6748. But uh, we'll preview a little bit. We'll make our Beat the Schmoes football picks. But there is a solid, solid slate of college football coming up on uh, Saturday. Very tough making a transition from Middle East tragedies to college football, but I'm doing my best here. Stanford at Notre Dame going to be an outstanding game. Notre Dame, I think, uh, what are they, moving up sixth, fifth in the in the polls? Started off the season maybe at like 24th or 25th, so their arrow pointed straight upwards that they can knock off Stanford. They are over halfway to a BCS game. Still undefeated, playing against a tough schedule. That's going to be a great game. South Carolina at LSU, Southeast Conference football at its most maniacal. Great ball game. Steve Spurrier going up against the hat. Les Miles, good battle right there. South Carolina fresh off an absolute dismantling of, uh, thank you very much, the team that I thought was going to win the national championship, the Georgia Bulldogs. So much for that prediction. <laughs> now, another game that uh, has slipped our grasp that we did not mention, but I believe we have Oklahoma-Texas this weekend. Oklahoma-Texas, the Red River shootout. Phenomenal game. Texas still smarting. Off that uh, 48-45 defeat to West Virginia, Oklahoma's got a loss on the docket too. But, you know, quite frankly, these teams could be 0-5. And they go up against each other, it's going to be a battle. They're not 0-5, they're both 4-1. Outside shots for both teams still at making um, a BCS Bowl. Both very, very talented teams. This one's played on, on a neutral field. I don't know. Are they going to be using the brand-new Jimmy Johnson Arena? I know the Red River Shootout is done in conjunction with the State Fair. So it's done on a neutral site. But uh, for college football atmosphere, for college football tradition, for great games year in and year out, Texas and Oklahoma for sending guys to professional football doesn't get a whole lot better than Texas and Oklahoma. Great battle. Here's one that uh, not many people maybe recognize it, but that should be a good ball game. Two top 25 teams. Louisiana Tech. The rambling wreck that is Louisiana Tech. That's not their nickname, but they've been wrecking other teams, including all of our fine fans listening down in the Champaign area. You'll, uh, I hate to bring up bad memories, but our Big Ten strong fighting Illini team absolutely annihilated. Not just beat, not just upset, but Louisiana Tech took them apart. I forget the score of that game, something like 35-10. to 10. Wasn't close. Louisiana Tech, very, very good. Now they got their first really big challenge of the season. They take on a 4-1 and Texas A&M team. 
So that's going to be a pretty good uh, ball game also. Here in the Big Ten, you got Illinois at Michigan. See if the Fighting Illini can get off the schneid in bad need of a victory. Michigan still with a chance to win. They got to have a couple things happen after their loss, but Michigan a chance to win in the uh, Big Ten Conference and make a BCS bold. And our Robertson featured in that game. Northwestern coming off their first loss of the season at Minnesota. Good friend of the program, Dr. Jerry Kill from Northern Illinois, now the head coach up at Minnesota. The Cats will be taking on them. Interesting ball game. We'll see if we can get Kane Coulter, the quarterback, and the guy that I was pushing for the Heisman Award. I was at least pushing him to be in the discussion. From a couple of weeks ago when he had the amazing 160-yard rushing game, and on top of 160 yards rushing as a quarterback, he, he played receiver over half the game, caught nine passes for like 150 yards. It was an amazing performance. After all that buildup, after me saying, you know what, this guy Kane Coulter should be top ten in the outstanding players in college football, should be in the Heisman picture, Northwestern forgets about him the next game. They give Trevor Simeon, the quarterback, most of the snaps. They put Kane Coulter out a wide receiver, always double covered, and he can't get open. Well, that's fine. Get him back at quarterback where he makes plays. Trevor Simeon's not going to get you at, uh, you know, an undefeated record, not going to win you the Big Ten. He's okay. He's a nice adjunct. But Kane Coulter's the guy. All you got to do is ask the other team, who would you rather have at quarterback, Trevor Simeon or Kane Coulter? All right. Hopefully we can get back on track for the uh, Northwestern team. Some other... Good Big Ten game. We'll see if Iowa can get their uh, second good game back together after having a dismal early part of the season. So we'll preview a little college football on the NFL front. Should be some good games, too. we got one tonight. Not sure you can call it a good game as the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the uh, Tennessee Titans. Don't forget Thursday night football. I say don't forget because the last two weeks I've actually forgotten. Especially with the baseball playoffs on, I don't think I'll be watching. Sorry, Pittsburgh fans. Sorry, Tennessee fans. A whole lot of Steeler and Tennessee Titan football. But uh, Oakland and Atlanta, can the Atlanta Falcons stay undefeated? Interesting ball game right there. The dreaded Battle of Ohio. Cincinnati takes on Cleveland. The Browns are 0-5. 0-5, wow. New England at Seattle. Seattle Seahawks actually playing some somewhat decent football. See if they can knock off suddenly red-hot New England team. Probably the... Best game of the day, the New York Giants at San Francisco. The Giants struggling a little bit, but don't forget they're sort of. They're, they're The Giants have become the St. Louis Cardinals of the NFL. Quality team, good coach. Eli Manning is their Albert Pujols, if you will. Not necessarily dominant in the regular season. They find a way to get in, and come playoff time, they're one of the most dangerous teams around. Well, if they're going to find a way to get in, they might want to beat the San Francisco 49ers in what uh, should be the best game of the Sundays. All right, we got to wrap it up. Four baseball games today, folks. We'll recap tomorrow. Don't forget to tune in 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, all the fun and games start. A couple of game fives, too. So we will have a survive in advance before tomorrow's show begins. We'll also have Football Friday and talk a lot of football on tomorrow's show. Big Dog will be back in the house. Thank you so much for listening today. David Olson, producer, extraordinaire, outstanding job. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Have a great day tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.